With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am your host, Matt Thomas, joined by my co-host, equal host to me, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about yourself, man? Doing well. It's a busy week. Youth basketball in Albuquerque, New Mexico has picked up, so we've got games or practices every night this week. It's really season in full swing here, but things are good. Can't complain. What about you? Yeah, um, nothing new with me. Just a lot of news in terms of the streaming wars and then just you know this NFL football this weekend and then again the Raw Rumble this weekend and then you know just a lot of news in the sports world so <laughs> not a lack of uh, things that are exciting to talk about so for sure for sure all right give me I'm gonna put you on the spot give me 60 seconds on WWE going to Netflix or, or Raw going to Netflix anyway thoughts on that um good for fans everybody has a Netflix account bummer is that <laughs> that subscription fees are gonna go up ah. um however i would say in terms of a rights increase what the stock market said they seem like they're happy about it even though i think wwe wanted 50 percent, they got about 20 to 30 percent right increase so overall i think good for wwe good for AEW. so they you know they don't have to worry about wwe coming after them for warner brothers discovery so Overall, get all around. We'll see what happens. But I would say if you're, you know, into having a cable box or a Comcast subscription, I'd be pretty worried right now. Mm, interesting. Yeah, big news. I, I mean, it was surprising to me when I saw it. Just yeah. um, and also, I think, you know, not not to belabor this topic, but just Netflix getting into live sports, you know, even though it's it's wrestling entertainment. Some people look at that differently. It is kind of a live sport type of experience when that well, airs. That's the interesting thing. Cause it kind of ties into what we cover, which is with the NBA in terms of their streaming rights being right. Up. Because with Netflix, they flirted with formula one, didn't get it. I heard they flirted with tennis, didn't get it. And with Netflix for years, everybody's been saying, Oh, well, Netflix is going to get into sports where they don't have like the infrastructure on their interface to really have that compared to like a Paramount plus or a Peacock or even HP or max that now in terms of they have news and they have their sports that really work seamlessly. So this is a big test for Netflix to see when you're having about, you know, two to 3 million people, you know, watch a stream, you know, congruently every single um, week, we haven't really seen that and mm. We'll see what happens. I mean, this is a live stream, so this is kind of like a huge experiment somewhat with the number one streamer. So if this goes well with WWE and, you know, they get subscribers, you know, we'll see if they're going to be a player in other live streaming rights for sure. Interesting. Yeah, and it, it does feel like, you know, over the last two years or so, Netflix has kind of, like, dwindled. Like, there's not as much interest in their original content and things like that. It's kind of come to a standstill. So it's kind of 
a way to maybe revitalize Netflix as well yeah. uh, and get them in the game with some of the other big players. So a lot of sports news, as you mentioned, a lot of news in the NBA. We've got a trade we'll touch on. We've got coaching changes. We've got coach player beef that's that's kind of interesting to look at. We've got a little bit of the GOAT conversation, but <laughs> a little bit different than what we've been talking about before. Uh, so a lot to get into. We'll say before we get started, just make sure that you are subscribed. If you're already subscribed, we really appreciate your support. You can check us out on social media, anywhere you're doing that. You can check us out on YouTube and anywhere you're checking out podcasts. Search Hoopsology Podcast or the social medias are at Hoopsology Pod. So Justin, let's get into it and First thing, news that just came in late yesterday from Sham Sharania. Justin, Miami is nearing a trade to acquire Charlotte's Terry Rozier for a package sending Kyle Lowry and draft compensation that includes a first-round pick, league source tells The Athletic. Well, no longer have to worry about that because the trade is official. Terry Rozier, before he was you know, banished to the Charlotte Hornets. You may remember him as a player who could score in bunches on the Boston Celtics. They used to call him Scary Terry. So interesting deal. There had been rumors around Kyle Lowry for a long time since before and leading into the season. Justin, your initial thoughts on this trade. I know you were high on Miami coming into the season. How does this impact your outlook on them? Yeah, I like this trade a lot. Um, credit to StatMuse for these stats I'm about to read. Damian Lillard, 25 points a game. Terry Rozier, 24 points a game. The Lillard, 6.8 assists. Rozier, 6.7 assists. You have um, Rozier with a higher um, three-point percentage and a field goal percentage as well. So to me, very comparable. I think it's mm. an upgrade from Kyle Lowry. If it gets credit to Kyle, to Kyle Lowry, though, I think it was – Jeremy Taché, a former guest on our show, he did say, I mean, you take a look at since he got there, the success the Miami Heat has, you know, has gotten. And, you know, Lowry played a huge role in that. So this, you can't dismiss his role in that team. But overall, I think this is an upgrade. And this is something, hey, with the Heat, you know, we kind of talk about they're kind of lassadaisical in the regular season sometimes. It's kind of, you know, what they make of them. This is a power move to, to you know, make a statement in terms of seeding in the Eastern Conference and in the playoffs as well. So I, I just trade for them. Yeah, I love this trade as well. You know, Terry Rozier is someone who can score in bunches, but the criticisms were that he flies off the handles a little bit. Miami, you put him in that system. There's already a hierarchy in place there. There's, I hate to say it again, but heat culture. <laughs> There's all those things in place where it really feels like any if any team is going to be able to harness a player like that, it's going to be the Miami Heat. It makes them more dangerous. He's a younger, more athletic, more threatening player than Kyle Lowry at this point in Kyle Lowry's career. And you wonder, you know, it sounded like Charlotte is going to look to trade Kyle Lowry or try to find something for him. Maybe it's a buyout. I don't know, wherever Kyle Lowry would like. Uh, so looks like a move into more rebuilding, more, more development for Charlotte with their, their young core. There's also been a lot of talks this week, and 
not to get off topic too much, but Miles Bridges is a target of several teams. So that could be another player that we look at who, I mean, there's rumors right now that the Suns are interested in Miles Bridges. I don't know how they would bring him on, but um, there may be more movement in Charlotte before the trade deadline. But back to um, the point with Terry Rozier. Yeah, I mean, there's no negatives here for the Heat. You've got an aging core, uh, you know, Bam being your centerpiece, but really Jimmy Butler, who has carried the load for them, you know, he he doesn't necessarily have a lot more time at this elite level, we would assume, especially with all the battles he's been in. So this is a way I think it makes sense to give up this first round pick to move off that Lowry deal and add some more talent. I've, I'm with you. I love the move here. Yeah, agreed. So right into our next topic, Justin, we, we've got several topics to cover and stuff to dig into. So, and by the way, I haven't heard anyone being negative on that Terry Rozier deal, but moving on, we have a really interesting situation developing in Milwaukee. First and foremost, Adrian Griffin fired uh, with a 30 and 13 record second place in the Eastern conference chemistry, just not working out here. There was the incident you'll likely recall Justin where Terry Stotts and him got into a little spat at shoot around before a game very early in the season may have even been preseason. And later that night, Terry Stotts resigns, um, who of course was Damian Lillard's head coach for many years on the Portland trailblazers kind of acting in uh, an assistant coach advisor kind of role to Adrian Griffin. So we see a clash there. That was kind of a weird blip that happened. We weren't really sure if it was, something between him and Dame or something between him and coach Griffin. Now we know it was between him and coach Griffin. So that was odd. There was also uh, a very different approach with Milwaukee's defensive scheme that caused some unsureness towards the beginning of the year. There was a little bit more struggling going on for Milwaukee and the players basically, I think, worked with him and and kind of pulled him back on that like hey this isn't working let's let's stick with what has worked well for us for several years and you know i guess maybe to coach griffin's credit he he was receptive and he did listen to those players but at the end of the day it just seems like there is a vote of no confidence for the players to adrian griffin as far as we can tell so in spite of that 30 and 13 record he doesn't seem didn't seem to them to be the man to lead them to the promised land. Justin, what what were your thoughts hearing the news about him being fired before we get into the next bit of this story? Yeah, so um, I have a different perspective, and that's from a sports media perspective. So a lot of confusion as to where this news was coming from. Yeah, um, if you're watching the NBA on TNT, uh, now it's Candace Parker, Shaq. Um, and I'm blanking on the other um, two names there, but the news came in and this is airing at the same time as the New Hampshire presidential um, primary. And they, and you know, it's just, they made it seem like CNN broke the story. So I'm like, don't you have politics to worry about? So they said <laughs> that it's CNN sports that broke the story. So I can't confirm right. that there is CNN sports. There is a Twitter account that is CNN sports. And there was a story that said, 
that Doc Rivers was going to become the, the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, what's interesting is that on TNT, if you watch, Chris Haynes is their reporter. So Chris Haynes is kind of their Wolves. He's their Shams. So to bypass Chris Haynes and to ignore what he was saying, because I, I think he said there was – he didn't 100% confirm that Doc Rivers was going to be the head coach of the Bucks. I think it was headed that way, but he didn't confirm that. To just say – just you know, these random reporters for CNN sports, I, it seemed weird to me. Uh, so we'll see what happens. That could be a big thing, little thing um, regarding what you said, Matt, about. Well, well, hold on. Oh, and by yeah. the way, Doc Rivers currently working for ESPN, yes. not, right. not even Turner sports. So you have kind of this weird, like crossover dynamic yeah. there too, where oh, sure. Doc has been <laughs> calling games for yeah. ESPN, yeah. and then the rival network, you know, Turner Sports or CNN Sport, yeah. breaks that news. It's it's just very interesting. And then what I'm hearing, and and then I'm sorry, Justin, I'll let you continue here. Yeah. But what I'm hearing right now is that that has been a little bit walked back, and it's not quite official yet that Doc Rivers is their next head coach. So I don't know if uh, there are deal that's... discussions being done or things seem to be a little up in the air. Last I heard. Uh, that's interesting because Woj said that he is going to be their head coach. Uh, it's a deal in principle. All right. Um, and that's yeah. eight hours ago. So, oh, there we go. We'll see what happened, but that's what I read. It said, um, I'm reading from Wojanowski. So they're just, high... in, they're just negotiating the deal, but he's the guy. Yeah. They're negotiating a high level assistant coach under consideration to join um, Doc Rivers as well. So it seems like it's a done deal. I mean, once seems the story like Doc broke... Rivers has an incredible agent. Yeah. Cause once, <laughs> I mean, the story broke in and there was rumors about Doc Rivers and it wasn't even like, no one said, Oh, Doc Rivers is, you know, it's in stone. He's going to the bucks. It was already floated out there which is interesting, which you'll, you'll break down that component. We can talk about that later. But in terms of the Adrian Griffin part of this, I mean, I understand. <laughs> um, JJ Redick was pretty shocked about this based on his reaction. Um, but I think it was necessary. I think mm. it's, this is a very critical year for Damian Lillard and with Giannis. Oh, yeah. And it seemed like, you know, Lillard was pretty stifled in this offense. And to me, I don't understand why there's a trend of hiring first-year coaches with – you know, great rosters. I, that's really, I think we've seen that. Joe Missoula. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. not a first year coach anymore, but yeah. I mean, even you saw with Jason Kidd struggle. Yeah. Um, you saw with Steve Nash. Like, yeah. it's just like, why are we, why are we doing this? Like you great need somebody who's fully experienced. And when you have Mark Jackson every year, it's like, he clearly wants to coach. His name comes up in terms of, you know, he's out there. He's doing commentary. He's not even on ESPN anymore. So, you know, why isn't he not selected? That seems very fishy to me. I don't think it's racism. I mean, there's plenty of black coaches in the NBA. So it seems like we're, we're missing something in terms of why Doc Rivers immediately got this position instead of somebody like Mark Jackson, who's been rumored every single year for a coaching position, but not get, get that final slot. So I just find that pretty interesting, especially with the the, the, the baggage that Doc Rivers has, and which we'll get to in a point. I, it just seems very fishy to me. And I understand if you take Doc Rivers' um, resume out of this, he's been advising Adrian Griffin. He's been advising well, the That's Bucks. what's fishy. He yeah. was a consultant he for was. Coach Griffin. Correct. So it's it's yeah. kind of – That too. 
a little bit odd. Like you wonder yeah. if there was some backstabbing going on or or what happened and, and maybe not, you know, certainly this is all speculation, Yeah. but you're consulting for that team. And then the guy you were, you were, you know, being the mentor to, yeah, <laughs> you, he gets out of the way and then you're put in place as the head coach. I it's, uh, we're going to hear something. It's unusual. It. Yeah, unusual it is. to say the least. It's fishy. But uh, go ahead with the Doc Rivers side of this. Yeah, no, I just, I find it interesting. You know, of course, he had been joining Bill Simmons on Bill Simmons' show. Uh, and uh, yeah, it seemed like Bill Simmons was pretty surprised based on what he was saying. He's, of course, disappointed for, for his own selfish in, in, um his own selfish interest because well, maybe he not. won't have Doc Rivers as a guest. <laughs> oh, wow, he can sabotage. Uh, but you never know. Bucks. He can sabotage the Bucks and you know make it wide open for the Celtics. So <laughs> I mean, it might be good for him and a net positive in the long run. I guess run. that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you know what this shows is. Yeah, I make the joke about Doc Rivers' agent. I'm sure he does have a great agent, but also I, I think Doc Rivers just even though he won his title back in '08. He still just continues to have the respect of the players around the league. And I think a lot of that is just Doc is a very likable guy. I think even when Doc is giving his analysis or when he has made podcast appearances and things like that, you can see that he's he's skilled as an educator and a teacher. Like he he makes things very easy to understand. And I think he's just kind of straightforward and blunt about things when it, when it comes to his analysis. And I would assume he's very much the same way on the basketball court as well. And when he's coaching on the sidelines. So um, I I think he gives a steady hand. I, I don't know that he's the guy I would say I would want scheming to figure out how to revitalize a Milwaukee Bucks defense that has struggled, has, has just been, you know, not, not the same. You get a new major piece with Damian Lillard and you lose Drew Holiday. It's, it's just a different roster. The guy I would want that I'm shocked that they didn't hire, and I know everyone's mentioning this, but it, it bears repeating because he was a top three finisher, was Nick Nurse. Yeah, I, And he's having <laughs> great success in Philadelphia. It seems like he should have been the mastermind for the Bucks to hire, but... um you know, maybe that just he he obviously did not get the thumbs up from um, Giannis potentially, or uh, there there was some sort of disconnect there. Um, I know initially we did hear that Coach Griffin had the support to be hired, but I think that quickly turned into regret uh, on the player's side after you know his leadership seemingly after just a month or two into the job uh so um, just wild turn of events but th- yeah. this is how the modern nba is and and it, it it has been this way in the past to an extent i think it just happens a lot quicker in the modern era you know these well, things get hashed out really quickly go ahead yeah totally and it just seems i just you mentioned nick nurse and i have to bring up becky hammond too and to me it just seems there is some sexism at play, in my opinion. I mean, she just won the title for the WNBA. She was under the coaching tree of, you know, Coach Popovich for, you know, years. And her name has come up in terms of being interviewed for jobs. But yet, these first-year coaches get opportunities that they have no coaching experience. Yet she spent years under Coach Pop. 
I could, you know, highly revered, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time in all of basketball. So, you know, it, it just seems peculiar, you know, with Mark Jackson, her, like, it just seems just like some guys give just all these opportunities and other people can't give, get one. So it just seems just highly suspicious to me. Um, regarding Doc Rivers, um, Stephen A. Smith had this to say, um, and I don't know if you, if you believe this or not. He said he's good friends with Doc Rivers. I'm sure that's true. He said, quote, if Doc Rivers doesn't succeed at his job, my prediction is that this will be his last head coaching position in the NBA. And he noted that he has blown a 3-1 lead three times in a row. So yeah, to me, not a great I, track record. Um, honestly, I disagree with that. Just I just think if he just happens to take him to the finals and if they lose – like there's going to be coach, like there's going to be coach, you know, teams all over the league wanting Doc have a chance to get Doc Rivers if the Bucks just fire up or something. Like I just, it's it's hard for me to believe if he struggles with the Bucks in terms of a you know Eastern Conference Finals or a NBA Finals, and if they lose in just kind of a dramatic fashion, if the Bucks part ways, with I don't see that happening. But if they do, that I mean, they have they're paying for three coaches already. <laughs> It's just, it's crazy. I think there's three coaches on the books currently. So they, they can have to ride Doc Rivers for a little bit in terms of get, unless they get these coaches off the books somehow. So to me, I just think if this doesn't work out, it's hard for me to believe that he's just going to be just exiled from the league, especially his track record. Well, opinion. let's, Despite let's also practice. give Doc this, like yeah. Doc, Giannis is the greatest individual player that Doc will have ever coached. If, if he truly is taking this job, he, he's never had an individual talent like this. His teams better than Embiid have always. Oh yeah. 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 I think so. Okay. Okay. I mean, at least at this point in their careers, you know, we, okay. we have to see how the M MVP race unfolds sure. and all that stuff. But Giannis has a title Embiid doesn't, we don't That's know true. that Embiid's going to win a title. Uh, we've seen Giannis go Greek freak mode <laughs> in the playoffs, um, you know, unfortunate injury last season, but the bucks were the one seed last year. So um, last year doesn't happen. And, and maybe coach bud is still here and we're not even talking about this, but uh, I, I just think it's, it's a different position for Doc to be put in here on this team. It, it looks a little bit different than other teams he's been on. Like, I don't think the Clippers were very tight. There was a lot of drama on that team. And of course, between the stars. Whereas I think, I think Giannis really does love his teammates and there's, there's a better vibe there. And there's also this just different gear they can shift to with the fact that they have Giannis. So maybe Doc just needs to be that steady hand and the talent that's on the court is going to get the job done. Maybe he'll have more success here. I just, I don't think he's the chess master, you know, that more recently Nick nurse certainly is just comparing those two. Fair enough. And, and there could have been other things. Maybe it would have been worse for chemistry. Had you brought Nick nurse in? I mean, I know things had turned very sour in Toronto when Nick nurse was let go. Uh, so you you never know, but yeah, the the whole situation is is just fascinating. Yeah, no doubt, it's it's going to be interesting. A lot of pressure, you know, on that team as well. You mentioned just the uh, media side of things. It seems like it's leaning towards Doris Burke um, being that lead color position with Mike Breen and them not do going to a three person booth. So that's the rumors I've been seeing on Twitter from pretty reliable sources. So. Um, a little bit of a shakeup at ESPN, like you mentioned, Matt. But we'll see. It's going to be entertaining. A lot of pressure 
you know, on this Milwaukee Bucks team. We talked about this before the season even started. So even more on the line, especially since Doc Rivers looks like he's poised to take over this team. Yep. We mentioned Joel Embiid earlier as uh, an elite level talent that Doc Rivers has coached uh, as recently as last season. Speaking of which, he is, from what I've seen, unanimously, it's kind of a question of whether he plays enough games to qualify for MVP or not. Yeah, He had an amazing, I believe only the ninth 70 point performance in NBA history. And this happened the same night as the anniversary of Kobe getting 81 against the Raptors. So Joel Embiid dropped 70 against the Spurs. Wemby unable to stop Embiid. Wemby played, just had a nice 33, but (laughs) unable to stop Joel Embiid from just going nuts out there. Um, And this, you know, after a lot of talk from Coach Popovich, maybe this is what fueled Joel Embiid to go off on them. Uh, Wanted to get your thoughts just because the MVP conversation has been rather quiet at this point. You know, Jokic is still certainly a factor in it. I think depending on how the Bucs do, I do think Giannis deserves praise because I think he's covering up a lot of their flaws there and the numbers are still still decent, still worthy of the conversation, but Embiid, I mean, is having one of the best scoring seasons a center has ever had in this league. So do you feel, do you agree with this idea that Embiid's the front runner? And do you think there should be um, a little bit more conversation around the MVP race around the league? Um, I think so. I think um, Shea Gilchrist Alexander deserves a lot of credit. I'm glad mean, you brought him up. He, yeah. I mean, that's huge with the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's not like they're the eighth seed. I mean, they're near the top of the conference, and he's a big reason why. So uh, they were I think one seed. Uh, yeah. Earlier this week. I don't know if they yeah. still are, but yeah. So they deserve, I mean, he deserves a lot of credit. I think he plays in a small market. So we're near the all-star break. So depending on like how the votes shake out, hopefully. That typically what happens if like guys are under the radar, all-star break happens, they get momentum, especially in that game if he plays well. Um, that's a lot of momentum for him leading to the second half of the season. Um, regarding Embiid, I think he's the front runner. I mean, JJ Reddick said that he's on pace to be the only second player in NBA history to average 35 points, 10 rebounds, and five assists for the entire season. The only person to do that was Will Chamberlain, and Chamberlain played 46 minutes and Embiid has not. So, you know, that's just an insane stat. And I think you see, I like the, just the fire within Embiid. You can just tell a lot of players, I mean, I don't think he's just more outward with it and wanting to win. I think Giannis is too, I think. But you can just see with Embiid, he's just, he's just a man on a mission. Whether he's accomplished that or not, I will see. <laughs> but you can clearly see that he is wants to establish himself as a premier big man in this league, and he's doing that. So, I would think unless he, if he gets hurt, I mean, if he's out for like 10 to 15 games, I think it's over. I just, I just don't think. Well, automatically just based on yeah. rules, I mean, mm-hmm. he can be disqualified from it. Yeah. So, and that's possible. We've seen him get hurt before a big man. I mean, they're more prone to injury and he's playing at such a high level. Um, that is, that is likely. So 
we'll have to wonder if there's going to be a, maybe a minutes restriction, especially towards the second half of the season, like how that's going to work. I'm sure he wants the MVP. There's a lot of factors at play here, but if he stays healthy, I think he's the clear front runner in my opinion. And I could honestly, if Shea Gilchrist Alexander, if the Thunder are like the number one, number two seed, I think there's a case. There's a total case for him um, to be the MVP, but I just don't, I think small market, I think unfortunately they hold that against you. This is all these BS factors that are irrelevant to play on the court that unfortunately I think it's going to be held against him. I think. Hey, that's all right. We can get the word out about Shea. Justin. <laughs> right. Start, start the conversation That's here. True. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no, I, I agree with those points about Embiid. And I think the other thing that you and I touched on at the start of the season is the narrative is open for him because of how chaotic the start of the season was with yeah. James Harden's departure from the team. And so that builds up, I mean, them staying at the top of this Eastern Conference with that chaos and with losing some talent on the roster now course you can always argue addition by subtraction but i think it looks really good for an mvp narrative to be able to say they lost one of their all-stars and Embiid carried them still to a home court advantage in the east good point um, I didn't think so of that. good solid narrative there and i agree with you i mean the numbers of course are are monstrous and you know i've i thought Jokic should have won mvp last year i'm not upset that Embiid won it um this year, I think there is a little bit more separation at this point, even though I still pick Jokic as the better player of the two. Uh, when we're looking at the context of this season, Embiid just stands out a little bit more, and he's he's going at it so hard. And when you have performances like this, and he's, he's had 50-point games as well, I think multiple 50-point games, so that that does stand out and if you have enough blips like that too the mvp voters always like to see that yeah uh, it makes the case for them easy to make and justify to their peers uh but i i love the sga that you bring that up and i i do think there's this other narrative that like okc has this super awesome roster which they do but i think when you consider that he's kind of the veteran on that team and <laughs> they're all like many of the starters are 20 21 yeah, and true. SGA kind of the veteran leading them there's there's a case to be made there too we'll touch yeah. on that more as we get past the all-star break and, and get into the final stretch of the season I'm sure as will <laughs> the rest of the media looking at another high scoring performance here Justin Carl Anthony Towns drops 62 points on the Charlotte Hornets, but it comes in a loss. And his coach was not happy, actually benched him in the yeah. fourth quarter. I, I found this to be very interesting. I'm going to pull up the audio from this so that we can have a listen. Give me just a second on that. And there's lots of... Get this up here. All right times when just because you've scored two or three or four points in a row or baskets in a row doesn't you know obviously we're going to try to feed a hot hand look for a hot hand but at some point we got to get back to making the right play we got to get back to doing the right things um and um you know that's just uh like i said there's a lot of ways to be immature 
there's always a lot of ways to be immature. Um, and there was a lot of immature performances here throughout the the roster. We totally disrespected a, the game ourselves. Um, and we got exactly what we deserve. So, Chris, did, did you also see, I mean, did it turn into Carl trying to hunt like a, Absolutely. a, a big number? And- yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, but for a while, I mean, it was going. Um, but, you know, down the stretch, we, you know, you know kind of dried up for us. But, um, yeah. And there's lots of All times right, so when coach Chris Finch of the Timberwolves unhappy after the way the Timberwolves played against the Charlotte Hornets. I, I think it's justified to be upset if you drop a game to a Hornets team that you should beat as one of the top seeded teams in the Western conference. Justin, your, your initial reaction yeah. to all of this. Yeah. Not much to say here. I agree with you. I mean, the Timberwolves are having a great season. And this is to the point of when you're just chasing individual accolades Mm. and you're losing sight of the main goal, which is winning. And this is where you're going to get into a situation to the playoffs. Like it's like, it's not tolerable. Like you will lose to teams that are inferior to you if you're not, you know, keeping discipline. And this is a good example for that. And Carl Anthony Towns, he's a leader of this team and I hold him directly responsible. Um, mm. because of this, even though other players may have been feeding him, I think it's his job as a leader to be like, Hey, I know like, you know, I'm on fire or whatever, but we're losing here. Like we need, you know, we need to adjust the game plan for us to win. And I just think on the surface, this seems, cause I like Carl Anthony Towns and I know he's taking a lot of crap. There's based on the Jimmy Butler situation, but, um, I feel that it was pretty much a, a bit selfish. Um, I don't know directly of him, but kind of for him not you know, taking more of a lead role in um, preventing that from happening. I think it falls on his shoulders. And I agree uh, with Finch in terms of, you know, his reactions to that. That's an inexcusable loss. You know, and, you know, you take a look at the record. People might basically say, what's the big deal? But, you know, with this roster and with Anthony Edwards, this is a team that is, you know, you want to be poised to make some noise in the Western Conference to, you know, make a run for the championship, you can't lose that way. So I, and, I agree with his Given the history of this franchise yeah. too, and, and you know, kind of the, almost like a curse that they're yeah. trying to break at this point Agreed. for legitimacy in the NBA. I'm a hundred percent with you and I'm a hundred percent with coach Finch. I, I think that's good coaching. I mean, he that diagnosed is- that team, their, their critical weakness, I think at this point, he diagnosed right off the bat, uh, even with Rudy Gobert, who really is the vet on this team it, and Mike Conley, but, but Rudy Gobert specifically, we've seen moments where he's kind of like in this game, there's a clip that went around of him shoving one of the Hornets players to the ground. Cause he got frustrated oh, with wow. the play. And that's, you know, a case of a little bit of a lack of discipline or immaturity as coach Finch put it. I can see why he's angry and he diagnosed that perfectly. Now in credit to those players, I also want to say that I looked at a friend of the show, Dane Moore's feed regarding what players had been saying and specifically their young star, Anthony Edwards. And basically I, I don't have the direct quote up here, but he did relent that you know it was kind of silly the way that they played so i think that's a very big positive to see i don't think this is going to be an adrian griffin situation i'm sorry coach griffin but i don't think um that you know they're that 
Coach Finch is losing the locker room over this, which, you know, sometimes when you call out your players like this, I mean, we we look at like Pat Riley called out Heat players after they lost in the finals and LeBron left to Cleveland. That that may not have been directly just because of that. Obviously, it's multifactored there. But point being, you know, sometimes when you're a coach, like you're easily the scapegoat and you got to watch what you say. So I respect that Coach Finch didn't back off. And I respect the players from what I've seen so far responding well to that. Yeah, it's a player's loads well for them. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one last topic to get to here, Justin, that, that was just interesting and also was uh, in- included another friend of the show, Dwayne Rankin. Um, we had a little bit of a a discussion with Kevin Durant. We we have our buddy Josh as longtime listeners of the show. No, he's a big Suns fan. So granted, he gets KD on that team. He's super excited about them. I don't blame him. I'd I'd be excited if KD came to my team too. Uh anyway, Kevin Durant is asked why he isn't mentioned in the GOAT conversation. And he says, quote, because I went to the Warriors, why shouldn't I be in that? That's the question you should ask. Why not? What haven't I done? And there we have the quote (laughs) as far as uh, the GOAT conversation. Uh, I think when, when I see an honest conversation, Justin, about Kevin Durant as the GOAT, I usually see it framed in the light of KD is the most talented small forward that we've ever seen. Like there's, there's kind of actually to, to compare him with his teammate, Kyrie Irving there. Mm -hmm. There's sort of like, there's this aura around Kyrie Irving. Like this guy has mythical handles. This guy has a a scoring package that we've never seen before in this league. You kind of get some parallels with the KD comp. Uh, position uh, when you're talking about small forwards in the history of the league. But I, I just can't um, in my best chance, um, best stab at it to put KD in like some sort of goat ranking or something like that. I really can't scratch top 10 with him. I don't even know if I would have him top 15 or maybe even top 20. I, I would need to do, of course, more of a deep dive into that. He has two finals MVPs, two finals to his name, uh, both, of course, coming with that Golden State Warriors dynasty. You and I both have said plenty of times on this show, um, we love KD's talent and all that. It's It's just there have been a lot of misfortunes for him off the court that have kind of taken a hit at the legacy a little bit. I mean, one of the things, the decision to join the Warriors that was was wild, widely criticized. Um, but Justin, how do you feel about this, like trying to plug KD into the GOAT conversation? Um, I think it's I think it's valid. It just depends on what GOAT conversation you're talking about. You're talking about like the best 20 players in the league. Sure, I think ever. I think sure that's that's valid, but hmm. like you were saying, you're dealing with the top five ever in history. I think when we get to these conversations, 
when you say a guy's not like the goat, you're like taking something away from him. Like he's like not a Hall of Famer. <clears throat> like he's he's your first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh sure. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he's going to be one of oh, the greatest. Yeah. He's one of the greatest players of all time. He's on the seventy-five best players list. Like it just seems like if you're not a goat, you're just a piece of trash on the side of the street. <laughs> it's just bizarre to me. And I, I think to Good your point. point about with KD. I feel it's kind of ironic because he got criticized for going to the Warriors, but that's kind of his undoing him leaving. Like if he stays, how many mm. titles do they win? Even if he does get, you know, one of those things he got hurt, they lose to Toronto, but if he just sticks it out, I mean, to me, who knows where the Warriors are at, to be honest, if he can kind of work it out with Draymond and everything. So I feel like you take a look at him leaving to me, a black mark is OKC. I mean, you have Westbrook, you have Harden. Granted, they're younger, but still use three of you. Couldn't get it done. You take a look at the Warriors, which I do give him full credit for. I, he's the MVP, and he was a big contributor to those teams. Full credit to him. Um, and then with the Nets, I hold that against him. That was the whole mastermind, that whole plan, fail, failure. And so far with the Suns, you have all this talent. I mean, you're they're mediocre. Like that is, And I think for him to worry about the GOAT conversation, now when your team is mediocre mm. like that shows a bit of selfishness mm-hmm. in my opinion to me a real leader would be like hey like i'm not really worried about the go conversation right now i worry about my team us being the top of the western conference and that's on me like to worry that being as bs rivalries and being your you know your burner accounts by you being the goat that should be the least of your concerns right now if you're a if you're a goat then you're not worried about this you're worried about winning at all costs you don't care about this conversation so to me, I think it's a bit selfish. I mean, he's a basketball nerd. I get it. And to me, those conversations are more for the offseason. Hey, you know, he's chill on his boat in Paris. And, you know, he hears about this. Cool. Have debate away. But during the season here, you know, he has one primary job, and that's to get the Phoenix Suns to the NBA Finals. And to worry about this insignificant conversation, I think it's a waste of his time. So. Yeah, it does seem like I've I've seen Kobe and Jordan both – take you know goat type of questions the way that you just mentioned like basically that's going to be for you all to decide once i'm retired you know and then like let's not push it any further than that or whatever i mean um you know with with this generation of players who are i mean kd and lebron very close in age to us justin um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know it's there's a little bit more of uh just readiness to assert themselves into this conversation, you know, like LeBron on his own show said 2016, that finals victory made him the goat. I mean, just said it, just said it outright, like proclaimed himself uh, and KD, you know, a, a little bit more mildly than LeBron in that example, but, but still kind of is concerned about it, as you said, and inserts himself into it. So it's, yeah, I, I mean, for me, I just can't get there. I, I think making the decision to leave OKC to join Golden State is is just a a huge black mark. Um, but then, even even if you want to take narratives out of it um, and just look at accolades and and achievements, you you just can't get there. I mean, it's he he has scoring titles. He he has an MVP. He has Finals MVPs. He has finals, but but it's all dwarfed by 
you know, MJ, Kobe, Kareem, se- several guys yeah. that have Magic just Bird. accrued those. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and I think, um, I, I love the point that you bring up most of all, when you said that, you know, it, it's almost like a Ricky Bobby thing. Like you're either first or you're last. <laughs> and that's such oh. a bad way to have basketball conversations in general. I mean, it just, it skips so much context of these players' careers. Cause KD yeah. is an important player over he's the a history of the NBA. Yeah, he's, a, he's a legend. Like, and that's, that's a wonderful thing, but you're not touching goat status and and I'm sorry. And that doesn't mean that we don't like you and acknowledge that you were an incredible player. Like, I don't, it's wild that there seems to be this perceived gap. If, if you make that point, like I know if I'm talking to KD face to face, he's not happy about me just saying that and and writing him off as the goat. Well, that's why I hate having these conversations because it's just, I think it gets very toxic. And I think people don't understand like when the, the honor, what an honor it is, is to be in elite NBA, to play in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like Jalen Rose said, like you're about 3,000 people that, you know, you're an elite class of athlete. Then you're even more elite to be the name, the best 75 players in NBA history. And then yeah. to be included into like your top 25 players ever to play in the NBA, like globally, ever, ever. And with Katie's accolades, they're incredible. And to not be in that GOAT discussion doesn't take anything away from them. Doesn't make them like this he and I, and I think it just i don't it seems like that's kind of the case it's like a strike against you if you're not in that go conversation and i think it's a shame because it's, there's a lot of great players and i think i, I think i you know we kind of at least I'll, I'll speak for myself i think we kind of blame the older generation for different things but i think to, to give the older generation a credit they appreciate i think they're legends more like even though they're not the go i always hear kenny smith talking about all these other names and these guys are legends Clearly, they're not on the same level as Michael Jordan, but they're legends. Like they're highly revered, and I just wish we just show the same guys that same respect. And maybe that'd be something that maybe help Katie out in this. It's just that hey, we hold you in high such high regard. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay that you're not like the goat. It's all right. Like you're still an elite player ever, like ever in in this league. Like it's all right. it's okay. Like it's just it's another discussion for you know just people to debate. But your legacy is cemented. Like you are a legend in this sport, and to just be obsessed with this being a go is just like you're just wasting your time. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, and in fairness, when you're the star player for a franchise for several several years, I mean, I I could see how you know we talk about all the time. You got to have that mentality that you are the goat. So there's there's a disconnect there. Yeah. But you're right in that when you're looking at this objectively, and when you know analysts of basketball like you and I are looking on this we don't want to minimize greatness in our conversation and just live in this this fiction where KD is in grasp of Michael Jordan or something like that I'm sorry it's just there is a certain point where like you can make subjective cases when you're talking about certain player comparisons and and certain goat comparisons. And we've done it on this podcast. You can't, there gets to be a certain point where there's an objective reality that I'm sorry, you're not in reach of that. But again, you're great, KD. And both Justin and I agree. Yeah. 
No doubt. So thank you guys so much for supporting the show. If you made it this far and stuck with us, we really appreciate it. We'd love your thoughts on all the topics we discussed today. Let me know. I'd be curious to see where you guys have KD ranked. If if you've thought this through, do you have him in the teens? Do you have him top 10? Do you let us know where you have him in that discussion? I'm going to do some homework and deep dive and, and try to figure out <laughs> where I might put him on the list of all the, the great players that have uh, played this game. Reminder, subscribe, check out our YouTube library, those evergreen episodes. We've been noticing you guys checking out the library. Really appreciate it. Um, as always, for Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. We'll see you next time. Peace out. See you next time. See you later. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.